Hello everybody, this is your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast produced in Windsor, Ontario. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from November of 1982. Uh, we're going to start off with The Amazing Spider-Man number 234, then Marvel Team-Up 123... Then we're going to go to Peter Parker's The Spectacular Spider-Man number 72. And then this week, we actually have a uh, an annual to talk about. So we have Marvel Team-Up annual number five. That's right. And to help us out this week, we have, a, we have a very special guest. Can you please say hello, special guest? Hello. <laughs> and can you can you introduce yourself, please, oh. as well? <laughs> hello. This is G.I. Jolie um, from the comic book syndicate. <laughs> Yes, and you have you you've been on our Spidercast show before, right? I can't remember. Mm, nope. I don't think I don't think Spidercast. No, nope. But you, I've been have, on. No, that's right. Quasar, you've been yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times today. So yeah, quarantine. This is we're in the quarantine. <laughs> Everything's good to go. I affectionately have uh, been calling it Quarantown, but oh, yeah. whoa, that's pretty hip. In honor yeah, of I the game, I can play. Ah. Well, I just got back from grocery shopping for like five hours, so I am ready to go and talk uh, about comic books. Yeah, let's not yeah. talk about the outside world, and let's jump into uh, New York from 1982. <laughs> yes, fantasy world time, guys. Okay. Yeah, so let's so start here off. here we go. Yeah, let's start things off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 234. Uh, Mike, what do you think about this cover? Uh, I freaking love it. It's great, okay? right? Yes. Um, G.I. Jolie and I just reviewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in which they used a process called... Jolie, was it called Zipatone or Ziptone? Ziptone. Ziptone. Okay, so I don't know if that's what they used on Will of the Wisp here, Jolie, but yep. it's pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love this cover. Mm-hmm. We've got... And, and, yeah, like, as everyone knows, we're changing the format a little bit. We're not getting into such detail with the plot, but we're definitely going to talk about this awesome cover by John Romita Jr. and Al Milgram. Um, we've got a cool, really, a really cool shot of Will o' the Wisp, like um, again, kind of like just a silhouette with all this zip tone, and he's all green. And Spider-Man is being, you know, overwhelmed by his energy. And then, of course, this beautiful cover is completely ruined by this banner at the bottom right <laughs> that says "Special Feature: 16-page bonus insert: The Marvel Comics Guide to Collecting Comics." Uh, but other than that, it's a great cover. Jolie, what do you think? Um, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I, I think that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, oh, Julie. Sorry. sorry, go ahead, Julie. You were gonna say something else? I don't know. I just um, it's kind of a strange choice for a cover, um, because of the nature of it's it's weird. It's just the lighting, right? So, it just it seems odd that something that's mm. um sort of sorry that kind of perspective where the light is hitting. It's really just, it's one of those things that is hard to look at. Mm. So, I think oh, it's I a really strange like it. choice. Interesting. Josh, you like, you're you a fan? Yeah, I, I kind of liked it. Um, I think that Spider-Man maybe is a little bit of a weird pose. Like, his, yep. ar- his one arm, like, hot shielding his eyes is kind of strange and his legs are spread out maybe a little bit too much but i really like the contrast of will the wisp against like the explosion like how he turns into that giant glowing orb um i i like the idea that they were going for with the uh the 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 light like i I like that how Mm -hmm. um spider-man is like silhouetted in this like white like 
brim light black. almost. Yeah, and, and then it, like his colors are, are a little bit more dull and he's all black instead of the blue to show that it's shadowed. So um, he definitely pops in front of this white and so does Will of the Wisp with that like, uh, you know, bright green and yellow like fade. I, I think it's pretty interesting. It's definitely nicer than, than some of the other covers that um, uh, we've yeah, seen. But I'm, I think overall I, I like it. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll summarize this story. So sure. I actually, to be honest, I really really like this issue. Um, like basically, it feels like it's been forever since I read it. But um, so we've got a guy, basically Will of the Wisp. It's hard to explain this guy, but he's kind of like I don't even know what his powers are. He's sort of like this mystical <sighs> energy creature. Like I don't even know what he is. Yeah. He. I. I, I believe he. Um was experimented on right mm -hmm. i think that they kind of go into that a little bit here where he was one of the experiments in this lab uh right so he kind of just has been like merged with this his body has kind of been merged with this energy so he can kind of like shoot the energy out of his you know hands and turn into this giant light ball and like i guess he can also like turn his body into energy and inhabit like computer systems and stuff like that so it's yeah right. it's not com it's not made completely clear what his powers are um but energy <laughs> I, I guess in one word yeah like is this well, the first time we see him in the series no definitely no. not we've seen him before yeah for sure mm -hmm. and and it's been pretty much the same like we we get the idea that he's got big energy powers but at least I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. At least I don't remember much of an origin for him. I think that he was just there, from what I remember, from what I recall. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't yeah. think that we um, got much of his backstory. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just forgetting. But well, I'll just say just to sum, I'm just going to summarize this issue quickly. So basically, I don't even like. There's a couple plots going on, but they all sort of intersect. Like Tarantula gets this idea that he is going to get his powers altered so he can be more like Spider-Man, mm -hmm. right? And at the same time that's happening, Will of the Wisp, I can't remember, why is he breaking into this place again? He's there to destroy it because they are right. experimenting on people and um, he pretty much wants to just destroy the place. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, he doesn't really want to harm like harm the the security guards or anything. So he, you kind of get the idea that he he feels like he's doing something just, maybe going about it in the wrong way. But uh, yeah, he's right. pretty much there to to blow up the building and take out these people that are in charge. And Spider Man gets in the way. And I think he actually says something about, "Oh, perfect, I could take you down while I'm here." Mm -hmm. kind of thing so yeah we we get this uh this interesting fight once again we kind of have this like this character that has these like extreme powers that spider-man can't really deal with with his movesets right. and everything so um it's definitely fun to see how uh spider-man deals with these powers and kind of gets over like you know gets past these kind of like right. celestial type powers well, I'll just say that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jolie. Well, I'm not sure how like how much into research or backstory you go into initially, but like Will o the Wisp is um, 
it's a ghost light the origins right. of the name it's uh it's from folklore right. mm-hmm. so that makes sense um when he's sort of manipulating or kind of mind controlling the guards at the brand corporation when he's trying to break in but i've read that his uh power is to control electromagnetic particles especially those in his body right okay so so maybe he's somehow controlling those magnetic particles in other people as well maybe i think the the light that he becomes is like the whole thing with the will of the wisp is that it's 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 light that is um that tricks kind of like the sirens voices mm-hmm. where he um the light mesmerizes you into um into seduction so i think that's kind of his power uh, when he becomes light mm-hmm. or when he's i guess i don't know jedi mind tricking people right but yeah yeah anyway. I, I don't i don't mind when in stories they don't like do a deep dive into the character's backstory or like explain to you step by step how the powers work um mm-hmm. but it it is weird and, and you can notice that in this story that they will just give them powers because the story needs them to have those powers and that's what it feels like sometimes and that's why i feel like maybe i'm missing a little bit of an explanation Yes. like how it works um i don't know he, i'll just say for me <clears throat> uh, to me this is the definition of superhero fun you know it's really fast moving and there's intersecting plots and for some reason i again because we reviewed uh, an issue of amazing spider-man last week with becca and she didn't like it because she thought it was just jumping into the middle of the story so i was trying to keep that in mind when i read this and i felt like this was a really good like obviously it's part one of a story because there's going to be more mm-hmm. but i thought it was a really great just jumping on point like you didn't really need any explanation to really know what's going on you just kind of jump in will of the wisp is there he's doing his thing peter parker's doing his thing and then they're just off to the races you know so i just found it really refreshingly fast moving and the fact that we had tarantula coming back and again the fact that his story is intersecting with what's what else is going on i just thought that was really cool so i really like this issue uh, i can i can definitely agree with that i think that the story itself was was pretty good. You don't really need a whole lot of backstory coming into it. I just felt that Will of the Wisp himself. Maybe it felt like there needed to be something. I don't know. More, yeah. Jolie, what did you more. think? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I was. Um, that's one of the notes that I took was that the plot to me was totally confusing and. I had no idea this was a jumping on point or a part one of an arc. So I was like, do you know what? I know that's like it's chronological. I'm a little bit caught up. So I listened to Becca's podcast and I caught that note too. Uh, And also uh, you guys talked about Tarantula. So I was like, oh, I see. So Tarantula kind of is running off from the last story into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't know who Will of the Wisp is, and I don't know why he's trying to destroy the brand, like the brand corporation. Uh, to me, it didn't seem as um, to, for someone who isn't as uh, steeped in like Peter Parker's New York, his world. Like it mm-hmm. was not easy to follow at all. Uh, I I wouldn't. I I can't even recommend jumping in on this. Like mm-hmm. there was just nothing. 
Um, there was, there's nothing for me to kind of latch on to other than like the fact that you see this mysterious character initially, you're already kind of spoiled about him. Um, when you see the cover. So one, the cover for me is so inaccurate that it's not enticing enough for me to want to read. But then when you, when you open it up and you, you look, it's like, okay, so he's some, some masked figure is breaking into a, a building and he's able to walk through a, he's able to mesmerize a guard, walk through a wall. And then you see who he is. And it's like, now shall Will Lewis have his revenge? And you go, okay, what revenge? So you keep reading and you still don't know what that revenge is. And it never really clears that up for you. He just seems like he's on a villainous tirade. And then suddenly it cuts to the Daily Bugle. And then it, cut, it cuts that, it cuts that um, explosion short and goes right to the Daily Bugle where Peter Parker is. And it's like, oh, yes, that's right. This is a Spider-Man comic. Well, I don't think... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's maybe we'll find out eventually exactly why he wants revenge. But I think it's just honestly, I didn't even cross my mind to worry about why he wants revenge. I don't know. I was just I was pulled in by the story and just sucked along. I think for me, like up to this point, like for this issue, maybe again, maybe in next issue, like he will have more to do with the story. But it felt like this shouldn't have been will of the wisp story and it should have been more about the tarantula like wouldn't it wouldn't have wouldn't it have been more interesting if maybe the tarantula did something to like mutate himself into i guess i guess spoiler for the end end of the issue he he mutates himself into like this monstrous like half human half spider thing not you know kind of like this grotesque extra limbed right. monster right wouldn't mm-hmm. it be more interesting if maybe like spider-man shows up to stop this and then through his actions and his anger he tries to rip out and then like it stops that mutation process early and then something happens where he turns into this monster because of that like it just it, it seems weird that will the wisp is here and it's just kind of like coincidental that he just happens to mess this up for tarantula mm-hmm uh possibly yeah like possibly it could maybe it could have been more interesting if he was there to stop tarantula like he has some sort of beef with him or you know that nothing like that is ever explained you just kind of get this idea that he wants to blow up this building and then that's it and now it seems like this story is going to be more about tarantula than will the wisp in the next issue like the the last thing we see is spider-man carrying will the wisp out of the building by his hair uh-huh. <laughs> like it's just I don't know I, I feel like for me Willow the Wisp was the weakest part of the story I was more interesting to, interested to see what was going to happen to Tarantula and like him realizing that he he's not as powerful and as strong as Spider-Man so he's got to do something to match that strength so he, he, go, he goes as far as he can to kind of mutate himself into his Spider-Man's match like that's way more interesting than uh, I got. I got to blow up this building. Why? I'm not gonna tell you. Just gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that could be true, but I think I just like the idea of Tarantula getting this idea, and then in the same issue he's already doing it, and in the same issue we find out what went wrong. I think I just appreciate the fact that it was so fast moving. Uh, that's one thing I really liked about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these comics are at this time, but I just find that this. I think that Amazing Spider-Man does the best job at it. Yeah. I think for me, I'm I'm good with fast pace and like, you know, 
having some fun action and hurrying the story along, but I feel like they rushed it maybe a little bit too much and we didn't get enough of what was like why everything was happening. We we knew what was going on, we just didn't know why mm-hmm. or, you know, what the characters' motivations yeah. were. So um, All right, well, let's okay, let's switch gears to me. Let's talk about the art. Uh, Josh and I have talked about John Romita Jr. Um, ad nauseum on the show. We love him. Uh, Jolie, what's your impression of the uh, the art of this issue? Um, it's very, to me, it's very, um, when I don't notice it or it doesn't um, do anything to kind of push me out of the story, it means it's good. It means it's doing what mm. it's supposed to. Um, the storytelling is really good. Um it's detailed where it needs to be. It's uh, simple where it needs to be, especially in um, in a world like Peter Parker's. Like, especially, mm. I'm, I'm just going through the office scenes and his sort of like IRL world um, outside of his superheroics, and it's just um, it's a really good pared down version of what like you know a newsroom should be. Um, right. You, you look at comics today, and they just they're they're you know. They really are preoccupied with like how many bricks are in each wall or how many pieces of paper are in this stack. And in this, it's just like, right. no, it's just simple shapes and simple lines and like characters moving through them. And like, um, they really let the inking suggest mm-hmm. the texture in things like hair, uh, the shine of clothing, the fuzziness of a sweater. Like, and, it, it, and it's not until you kind of look back on it that you go, oh, okay that that's really well went that's really well rendered like um it's not until you get to places like um there's like there's a few sort of standouts like j jonah jameson's brush cut is awful (laughs) yeah (laughs) um or let's see here where something really stood out for me it was really weird um when you get like close-ups to me, I just I've, I guess I've read enough uh, manga to expect um, that when you go into a close up of a character's face, there's going to be more detail rendered out. Mm-hmm. But here, it's just like the same level of simplicity, and that's kind of strange for me. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm used to that, so it didn't yeah obviously yeah like it's and it's no matter no matter what the scale is like small or mm. big or um, whatever however as far zoomed you are it's the same amount. So I mean, that's fine, but um, uh, yeah, I, I guess it, it wasn't um, there wasn't anything spectacular about it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never thought about that the close up thing. That that's very true. Um, Mike and I have always talked about how John Romita Jr. is really great at layouts and um, like making you understand where everything is taking place by like the first few panels are very detailed and like you get a sense of the office for example and then the next few panels you don't need to see all the details in the background and what's going on it's usually blank panels and he shows you exactly what's important and what you should be focusing on and Mm -hmm. I think that's why he works but I I think that you make a really good point that in those close-ups maybe seeing a little bit more detail would kind of get those points across a little bit more and, and again lend itself to that like the storytelling is happening in the panels and not by the words in the bubbles. So, yeah, and I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's. I can't remember which. It's right before the brand corporation explodes. There's a there's a close up. Like I wouldn't have a problem with the whole zooming in, zooming out detail thing mm-hmm. if it weren't for the fact that it's not consistent. There's 
a picture of an, a guard who's going to pull a phone off of a wall to call in the like to call into security for more backup. Right. And he uses the inks in a way to suggest more detail. That is, and that's like a, I would almost, it's not an extreme close-up, but it's a close-up. And maybe four, five, six, seven pages later, when you get the close-up of the doctor who's working on the tarantula, mm. you get his face, but it's not, he doesn't use the inks in the same way. Where If this is a, an extreme close-up, you would expect maybe like just lighter, thinner strokes, but they're really thick. Right. suggestive strokes and it it's not consistent for me um but that's just like a an art criticism standpoint <laughs> like it's mm. very it's very minute mm-hmm. but um if 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 you're thinking about it then you'll you'll see it but yeah i mean other than mm. that all of the action in my opinion the action is rendered like really well um has an understanding of anatomy underneath muscle obviously because these Mm -hmm. characters are so um they're clad in like very skin tight wear um for hero Mm -hmm. ability so um you can see that he he knows like his these drawings are informed by an education in in anatomy and that is really something that is totally lacking nowadays so yeah I'm really excited to see this. I, I completely agree with you. Actually, I'm going to point to digital page 16. I believe it's original 15. Um, right as uh, Peter Parker is about to crawl through the vents at the uh, the corporation, he's pulling the mask over his face. And normally you get that like right. nice, like rounded, like egg shape that Spider-Man's face has when he's got the mask on but he's pulling it Mm -hmm. down and you can see the imprint of his nose and like his jawline as he's stretching it it's so good because you you can you can see the anatomy of his face underneath the mask as he's stretching that spandex it's so great yep it's really simple but it, it it like gets it across so well effective and that to me is one of the biggest things about comics is that the like the seeing fabric and seeing fabric in the way that it lays on the human body is really mm-hmm. important for me so like in the panel the panel just before the or the, the last panel i should say like there's something about 80s comics where they just understood fashion mm-hmm. and it's like they i feel like they taught it whereas nowadays they teach anatomy but they don't teach how apparel um like sorry the structure of apparel and then uh how it would sit around a neck or around a wrist right and and right now people just draw a line for Mm -hmm. like a collar and it it just doesn't work for me that that last panel on that page that you were talking about with the guy walking through the door like even the way that like it's such a far away shot like there's such little detail but you can see how the pants are folding as he walks and like yeah I can I know exactly how that folds I've uh, you know I've worn dress pants many times I know exactly that when you walk it kind of mm-hmm. folds awkwardly in that you know kind of like yeah, hip and, area it's so good yeah and it's just the knowledge and the experience of using a brush and knowing what kinds of marks make those suggestions mm-hmm. and that's what I think is the most successful about his art in this is that with the like the inking <clears throat> it did um did Ramita do the inking too? No, no it wasn't it was done by. Uh, it wasn't Jim Mooney. This issue, it was somebody else. Oh, I think it's 
Al, no, Dan, Dan Green. Green. Dan Green. Yep. Okay. I mean, he, this is like, I mean, just looking at this page alone, like you look at his leg when he's inside the vent. You look at his leg just he's he's crawling inside the mm-hmm. vent. It is just how he uses that ink, that black to suggest things it's like that's mm-hmm. experience right there that's yeah. what you that's what i don't see enough of in comic books today but anyway we could go on forever <laughs> yeah i just yeah i want to give a quick example the, the the page that stood up to me was digital page four okay i just okay. love that page when will of the wisp becomes like a kind of like a sun mm-hmm. and then the guy is like on the ground and the chair is tipped over then will the wisp you know you know flies down the hallway then the guy hits the alarm and then the next shot you see the people running and then the next shot you see the sun and all the uh the piping and the next shot you see he's ripping them apart i just love that page just how fast the story moves there that's a perfect example of what i was talking about you know so much that's hap- classic right so that's much happens Marvel in, method in right six there. six panels so much mm-hmm. happens and right. you, without the bubbles without any sort of you know uh you know dialogue at all you know exactly what is happening like you can f- you don't need to know what building they're in you, you just you can see it i don't know h- how to describe right. it it's just the way that everything is laid out and and the stories told through these drawings is perfect and that's why i think i like john romita jr so much right and the dialogue is just the right amount of dialogue that Mm -hmm. that it's like it's not over um there's not over exposition in the dialogue like i I wouldn't know um just going on digital four uh where we left off there like the last panel where he's uh where will of the west is holding all of those tubes in his arms Mm -hmm. If the if he wasn't narrating his actions, I wouldn't know what he's doing. But he is, and it works. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, so often. It adds to it. Yeah, so often, and in the comics that we're gonna review later, I'm gonna that's gonna be a criticism of mine where there's so much exposition in the dialogue, um, the balloons and the thought bubbles, that it is it detracts from the story. Yeah. But in this issue, like in this comic, it's wound tight enough that it moves the story along it moves with the pace and it's like perfect right so i i would say that i would definitely recommend this comic uh jolie what do you think um i would recommend this comic if not for the inter like and and i have to recommend especially the interaction that he has at home with mr pinkus his neighbor (laughs) <laughs> that's my favorite part of this book so favorite I forgot about that yeah yeah, yeah. Pinkus is such a weird character that's just like reoccurring I don't get it <clears throat> but um, I, are I, you sorry you see him in other issues yeah he he's, yeah I think it just fleshes out his supporting cast right yeah he he started off by being this like just voice that you heard through the walls and he was like this awful country singer <laughs> and you would only hear him like yodeling and singing and like screeching um, and then finally you meet him when Spider-Man like is so angry he punches a hole through the wall and he sees him like on the other side and then and then from there he's just like he just keeps showing up it's ridiculous he, I think uh-huh. he's one of the most ridiculous recurring characters but um, uh, you know I, I think I would recommend this um I'd recommend this issue with the asterisks that I feel like you would enjoy it better if you were reading Amazing Spider-Man already. I don't think it's a good jumping in point per se, but 
I think it's a good issue. Uh, okay. All around. All right, fair point. Okay, so let's jump now to Marvel Team Up number 123 with special guest Daredevil. And uh, Josh, you want to tell us quickly what this one's about? Sure. Okay, so we have uh, Spider-Man in the hospital after his fight with uh, uh, Man-Thing from last issue. And uh, as he's healing, he kind of runs into Matt Murdock, who is there to talk to uh, one of his clients. He's convincing this like mobster guy to confess uh, his crimes after he found out that he has uh, cancer. So he only has a little bit of time to live. So he's deciding, you know what, I'm going to kind of do right in the last few moments I have. Uh, and then Solar shows up and he want, he he's there to... Uh, kill this guy i can't remember why he's there to kill him but he's there to kill him um so spider-man <laughs> he's a hitman sent to kill him i solar is a hitman it's just so weird i guess but uh <laughs> <laughs> but spider-man and daredevil end up teaming up and and taking down solar and um at the end of the day this this mobster kind of learns his lesson and uh uh I, I guess he doesn't really save the day. He he ends up like kidnapping this kid to use him as like a hostage yeah. to get away, and then he ends up kind of letting the kid go at the end of the issue. So we're kind of like left like a oh, is he gonna confess or not? Maybe he's learned his ways. But uh, yeah, what did you think about the issue? Like, well, I have mixed feelings about it. But we can get into that later. Sure. Julie, this is your first time reading Marvel Team Up, <laughs> yeah. I believe. What is your impression of this issue? Well, um, it's it's like everyone was sitting in a room and said, huh, we really want Spider-Man to hang out with Daredevil <laughs> in an issue. What could we right. possibly, how could we possibly pull that off? And like, yeah. they came up with the list of like 10 really, really great ones. And then they took the one at the very bottom that was shite. <laughs> uh, wow. It's not great. I, no. You, you yeah. describing uh, that <laughs> makes me think that you've read lots of Marvel team up. <laughs> Because, because that's yeah. pretty much what this comic is all about, they is could, trying to shove Spider-Man yeah. into stories he does not belong in. Right? Like, yeah. he, Matt Murdock could have been in, like, a sandwich shop eating a sandwich, and Peter Parker could have... See, I'm already rewriting a better one. Like, yeah. he could have been... Like, he could have walked into the same deli, or maybe his... Where he delivers pizzas from, or whatever he does now. Like, maybe you know, it's right beside right. that sandwich shop, and... Like I don't like I don't know there are a, like a trillion different things. You you know and what's so funny, Jolie is I was actually going to say that this one isn't too bad, and that I thought that the characters blended well together. But I feel like it's just because we have been given so many stories where the Spider-Man just doesn't belong. Like it's not even like mm -hmm. this where they try to mush it together. It's just that Spider-Man is just there along for the ride for somebody else's story. So, yeah, like honestly, yeah. he's Spider-Man is in the hospital because of an injury he's been uh he's suffering from like probably another fight. And that's yeah. the only reason why he's in the hospital um in the bed next to where Matt Murdock is with uh the the criminal whose name is Peepers, like Peepers. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, this this honestly isn't bad. Sometimes Spider-Man is just swinging along and he sees some guy and he, he just joins up with him. And the only po- like the only reason he's there is to like throw a couple of punches and then we're there to see somebody else's story. So honestly, oh. this one is not as bad as some of the other Marvel team-ups. Like the, uh, there's so been this is idea number ones. nine, yeah. not idea number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is like, you know, it's gotten better since Carrie uh, Gamble's taken over art. We'll mm-hmm. talk about the art a little bit. And I did think this was a decent issue, but overall, personally, I can't stand Solar. I've never liked the yeah. name. I've never liked the costume. He just looks like a. I mean, he just like a, like the name Solar. It sounds like a He-Man toy or something. <laughs> but also, the thing I didn't like about this issue was how basically they kind of split up, and Daredevil goes and does his thing with Peepers, right? And then mm-hmm. Spider-Man does his thing with Solar, which we, which we've seen happen in Marvel team up before. Right. And it's kind of like we were saying earlier. It's like, well, really, why is this one story then? It really, it's probably just a Daredevil story with Spider-Man and Solar thrown in, right? So, I mean, the stories do connect, but not. It's not really like in a Seinfeldian way where everything wraps up together. They just happen to kind of overlap, you know? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I didn't mind it as much. Uh, this issue, I think uh-huh. that having Spider-Man interact with the kid. Um, and kind of like try to cheer him mm. up after he was just rushed to the hospital. I-, I will say how they brought the kid into the story is wild. <laughs> Having yep. this eight-year-old kid get stabbed by a 12-year-old kid for pennies. Right. It was just like, well, you couldn't come up with anything else. Like the kid couldn't have been uh-huh. like playing in the park and then ran into the street to get a ball and was hit by a car or something. Like you're going to have a 12-year-old run into this you know, random house to stab a little kid to get to steal pennies, rolls of pennies. Yeah. It was just so weird. And like, yeah, well, it's like a, like an awful episode of a thousand ways to die. It's like just the, the most wild <laughs> way you could possibly come up of it with an injury. Like, it's just so weird. Oh yeah. And not to mention the fact that he's like freshly stitched up and running around the hospital bleeding out. Like, yeah. cause this is like a severe <laughs> stab wound. So obviously this wasn't some kind of playground shiv. Like this other kid stabbed this kid with something very substantial, like in the eighties. Yeah. For it's pennies. Very weird. You know, it's, it's also really weird. I don't think it was Marvel team up. It was spectacular. Last issue. We had like the, the really kind of deep, gun violence issue yeah that was spectacular and I think that they really handled that well with like you know children and violence and this one just felt so weird and cartoonish and like how it happened like it's just uh, weird anyways but I I will say I I did like that Spider-Man went over to the kid to kind of cheer him up and that kind of brought the kid into the story a little bit and gave mm-hmm. the kid a reason to be there at the end to be like a hostage and it wasn't just this guy ran into a room and stole a kid yeah so at, at least well, there's a reason the, the stories were separated and then came together at the end with daredevil and spider-man I think, but i don't know i think my analysis or whatever of jm dimatius is that it seems like he just has a lot of ideas but they're not really like, instead of taking one idea and then growing it organically, he has a bunch of ideas and he tries to cram them all together, you know? Right. But they don't always fit together. And so, when I'm reading this, I'm enjoying it because it's Spider-Man and, and, and you know, it's fun. 
but I don't think it's a great story. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not sure. I'm on the fence of whether or not I'd want to read it again. You know. So overall, yeah, I don't think the story was really successful. No. It wasn't great. No. But let's talk about the art. Um, obviously, Josh and I have talked about um, Carrie Gamble before. We like Carrie Gamble. But before we get to the interiors, let's talk about the uh, the cover here. This is almost the same as the other cover, but from the other side, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jolie, what's your impression of this cover? Um, this one is probably, <laughs> I hate to say that it's more realistic. This is exactly how I would expect the lighting to fall on Spider-Man and the old cover. The way it's falling on Solar. Is it Solar with two R's? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the way that the light kind of, the way he's silhouetted is a little bit more realistic. I just don't understand what the preoccupation is with like showing every single curvature of muscle on a man in a spandex suit in comics. Like, well, that's because, you know, the average comic book reader that's male thinks girls are icky. So, you know, so he'd rather wonder about sorry, how explicit can I get here? (laughs) Go ahead. So what, like, I don't understand. It's like, well, if you think women are icky, you just want to see half-naked men? Uh, all I can say is that growing up in the 1980s, I, you know, the the, the, the epitome of male macho, you know, um, you know, testosterone was Motley Crue, and they were dressed up as women in black leather. So that was a very confusing time to be a man. Let's just leave it at that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, the cover is by Ed Hannigan, and uh, it's Ed Hannigan who draws Spectacular on a regular basis, and inked by um, Al Milgram, our pal, we love him, and uh, the interior the interior is by Carrie Gamble and Mike Esposito. So Jolie, uh, completely different art style on this one. What did you think of the art in Marvel Team Up? Um, uh, again, it's, it, to me, it's like, oh, cool. This is a comic. Nothing about it was like out of the ordinary. Nothing was overly stylistic. Nothing was overly terrible that it uh, took me out or made it unreadable. Um, so in my opinion, it's just like, no, this is great. This is what, this is how I feel like comics should look. Um, Mm -hmm. But then again, it's like I grew up reading Archie, so everything was very like um, there was a template for everything. So mm. um, th- this is to me, if there was like a template for the way that these comics should look, like this would just like fall in line with all of that, right, like, right down to the lettering, right down to like the amazing <laughs> the typography. Mm. I can't get over mm. rivers, rivers of blood, like. I had to. I looked at that panel forever. <laughs> Where's that again? It's the very that, first page. Yeah. Right when you flip off "Burn oh, Heroes Burn," yes. you see rivers right. of blood. Yes. And it's just. It just. It's such a lost art. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, well, it's... it all comes down to hand-drawn art, hand-drawn lettering, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's There's true. There's no computers to be seen. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's very unique. I, I really like the design, the overlapping O's and like the V kind of being like off to the side. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really well done. Yeah, it's like well, it's just such a strange choice for me too because it's like the double O link reminds me of like Gucci or Chanel and it's kind of fashion fashion oh. for me and that's why I was looking hmm, at it for so long. See, I, I thought that well, they were doing like a daredevil thing. 
Oh, probably. I should point out the letterer is Diana Albers, a woman, so maybe that's what she had in mind. So the letterer will also do headlines that. and titles? Absolutely, yep. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she like, comes from a... Like a... Sorry. I can't think of the word. Like an editorial background. Mm. Maybe, yeah. But anyway. Okay, so moving on. But yeah, yes, I think the, yeah, uh, I, the art's amazing. Like, w- the one thing I'll have to give to this person, too, is that they thought about the way that... Um, they thought about the women. Not mm. every single woman in this comic is a blonde, white female. Right. Good point. Good point. Yep. So, I mean, I have to snap for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and the thing is, I think, you know, I definitely came across Kerry Gamble as a kid, mostly in Superman. And a lot of these artists I came across as a kid, like, you know, guys like Alex Savio, Kinsal Busema, and people like that. And I was really indifferent to them. But then 20, 30 years go by and you go back and look and you're like, oh my God, I never appreciated this when it was happening, but I wish comics still looked like this, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel anyway. But anyway, that's enough about Marvel Team Up. So we're all, I think we all kind of have mixed feelings about this one, right? Like I definitely like it, but I don't love it. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like the idea behind it. Um, right. I, again, I don't think that they really executed the like, almost like mental torment that this guy, uh, Chat. What's his name? Not Chatters. Uh, Peepers. Peepers. Yeah. yeah. Whatever his name is. He, I, I like. I don't think that they handled that very well. Like it was like a cartoony crazy, rather than like right. this psychological torment that he's going through of like, you know, facing the fact that he's dying and trying to like, you know, account for everything that he's done in his life before he's gone and it's too late. And mm-hmm. by the like I, I kind of felt that at the beginning, but then by the end when he kidnaps the kid and then it just like is like like a raving lunatic by the end, it just felt like it could have been the tone. Yeah, it could have been such it's a not great. Defend, that's what it... Go ahead. No, I was gonna say yeah. It's like the tone is all off, right? Yeah. It's like he wants to do this, he wants to do that, but he doesn't develop anything properly, and so it just feels like it's all just thrown in there, right? Yeah, and then like that note that we end on, where it's like the last page is like a half a panel at the bottom, and he's right. just like looking at his hands, saying "blood, blood, blood" over again. It's like right. It would have been. I, I don't know. It, Maybe that's what they were going for. Was like this criminal doesn't change, but like. I don't know. It would have been better if he was able to like sacrifice himself or change by the end of it. Like maybe Solar is the one that kidnaps the kid at the end and and he jumps in and saves the kid and, you know, kind of has a little bit of a, of a redemption before he does pass away or something. But this just seemed like such an awful way to do things. I don't know. Maybe, maybe because they were setting him up as like a redemption at the beginning, but yeah, yeah, I think, Okay. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> yeah, it was just all right. Yeah, like again, uh, it was definitely enjoyable, but not a class, not a not a highly recommended issue. Yeah. So now we're gonna jump ahead to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number seventy-two, and uh, I love this cover by Ed Hannigan, painted cover with Spidey and Doctor Octopus. But um, Julie, can you just tell us briefly what this comic is about? Um. Okay. So from what I can 
assess from what's going on. Um, Doc Ock is in jail or he's been done away with and there's no threat of him anymore, maybe. Um, But there is this little sort of click, like a superhero fan club gang run by um, a boy named, a guy named Ollie who dresses up as Dr. Octopus and like kind of wants to emulate him and, you know, um, the story just kind of takes life from there <laughs> yeah like like what, what what i don't really know what else there is to say because he just does he just he doesn't do anything interesting with that with the hobby he like i mean he gets kicked out of his little supervillain group but he he's like well do you know what i'm just gonna go bait spider-man like doc ock would do and then he goes he sets about doing those things right he's to see if he can trap spider-man um so what does he do he robs a grocery store first and (laughs) but he just steals all the comics and the candy right i think it's it's important to note this kid um has his own like doc ock suit right so it's right right. it's, it's very similar to the doc ock arms um, but it's like a backpack and it's built in. So they are metal and they are, they do like work the exact same way, but um, yeah. So they have this weird ability to like, and I, I don't even know where a kid would get that kind of technology. Like he's using them to hoist his friends around the room. Like that's like serious money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he I mean, says something about to... um, like he took the technology from his dad or something at the beginning. Hmm. I think. Well, I try not to worry about it too much, but to me, this is like a classic, lighthearted, I guess, not quite comedy, but it's like, I don't know if you guys remember, <laughs> Josh, do you watch Doctor Who? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've watched quite a like, bit of it. I think it was in season one You remember of the reboot. Do you remember when there was like a Doctor Who fan club and the Doctor didn't even appear in the issue and they were like, they had like a band or something? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just kind of reminds me of just this whole idea that there's this gang of teens who instead of playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or role playing or, or whatever, they just dress up as supervillains. I just think that's really a cool idea, you know? Right. Like, it's, I mean, especially compared to the last year's worth of Spectacular where it's all about like drug dealers and violence and guns and now we just take a completely, you know, a complete left turn. So. I don't know. I mean, this wasn't my favorite issue of Spectacular, but yeah. it's definitely a nice contrast to the last, you know, few. Like, what did you think, Josh? Uh, I think that it, the story is goofy, which is fine. Like, I'm I'm all in for yeah. a corny superhero story if, like, the tone and the art all matches and it kind of flows nicely. But this yeah. one, uh, at times, felt a little disjointed and it felt like things just happened rather than, like, a fun, strong, like superhero arc um right right i don't know like i'm so mixed and and like halfway liking it and disliking it because there's some really fun things and then then other times things just happen like i don't really fully get the motivations of this like kid that we're following like he Uh he idolizes the supervillains and he he really looks up to doc ock um why I don't really know. I guess he's a smart scientist, but there's so many smart scientists in, in the comics at this time. It's weird that he's chosen. Um, he uses these right. arms to go and like rob a corner store, and all he takes is candy and comics. And then after that, he's like, you know what? I know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to go rob the toy store. And then from there, Spider-Man stops him, and they're like 
fighting in this toy store, which seems like a mad scientist lab version of a toy store. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just mm-hmm. wild. A gigantic fish bowl and, like, a, a giant clown jack-in-the-box. Like, it just feels weird. And then at the end, when, when Spider-Man realizes it's a kid and the kid, like, is saved by Spider-Man, he now idolizes Spider-Man and just, like, switches <laughs> on a dime. Like, nothing happens. Uh-huh. He just stops. The Spider-Man just stops this kid and he's like, whoa, Spider-Man, you're cool. I'm gonna idolize you now. It's like, why Why did you not idolize him from the start? Like, Doc Ock is a known supervillain mm. at this point, right? Like, uh, Dr. Octavius is not, like, inventing things and being a hero, right? That Everybody right. knows that Doc Ock is Octavius. It's not like there's an alter ego there or, like, I don't know. It's so so weird well for me it just reminded me of like a funny episode of like a Saturday morning cartoon or G.I. Joe or Transformers but I, I don't know I enjoyed it it wasn't great but I enjoyed it mm-hmm. Julie what did you think um it was I I guess the I have the exact same things to say about this it wasn't great it wasn't great and I only moderately enjoyed it um yeah, mostly because I just couldn't get behind this kid. It just he just seemed so misguided and right. Like I I can't suffer a buffoon and he is definitely <laughs> and he's definitely like, you know, public enemy number 1. Right. <laughs> but like not in a cool rap way. <laughs> So Jolie, uh, obviously Josh and I are big fans of Ed Hannigan and um, Al Milgram. Is it Al Milgram? Ed Hannigan and Al Milgram, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know, Jolie, what's your first impression of the art in this issue? Again, it's the same as um, I've been seeing a lot. If there was a template, uh, uh, sorry, it's the same praise I've been singing a lot. It's that if there was a template for Spider-Man or like a brand kit for how a Spider-Man comic should look, this is just like towing the line, making sure that like all of the boxes are checked. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anatomy's there, uh, consistency in costuming, sort of the same way that they all render faces is it, it doesn't change it's pretty on the mark so yeah like it's very indicative of like the best parts of the 80s I would say yeah like I actually I mean I can't remember when it switched over to Al Milgram but I definitely don't think the inks are as polished as Jim Mooney's but no there's still a couple great shots what do you think Josh I, you, you know agree? There, were, there were a couple of panels where I felt like the anatomy uh, the anatomy was just completely off for some reason I didn't right, feel, right. feel that in in last issue but this one there were there were a couple right. of things like at the beginning we have uh spider-man swinging through the city in this like uh the second page splash page it's right. really good but like the the second la the second last spider-man his arm mm-hmm. and hand is like just broken completely. <laughs> yeah, His yeah. leg looks like it's oh. completely facing the wrong way. And then uh-huh. uh, a little while later, when Spider-Man jumps through his uh, sunroof in the bathroom, his arm yeah. looks like it's completely dislocated. Like his shoulder is popped out. Uh-huh. I can't remember uh-huh. what. I can't see the page number. Yeah, it, I think it's digital ten. Right. I have digital ten. Yeah. 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 So like. I don't know. I, I, it didn't take me out, but I, I, I found myself noticing it a little bit more in this issue, and I can't put my finger on why. 
Well, again, it's it's probably because uh, Al Milgram inked this issue, and you know, great guy, but he's not the greatest artist. He's not the greatest inker, so that's probably mm -hmm. why I'm gonna guess. You know, right? Um, but I do want to, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Julie. Well, it just baffles me how people can get into this industry and not have any clue about human anatomy. <laughs> oh, there's a <laughs> lot of them. Believe me. No, it just is so. It's. A rendering of a human is just more than lines. Like, there's a reason why that line's there. It's because there's bone there. That's, you know what I mean? Right. Like, the, the, the one that you're talking about where he comes through his, like, one, Peter Parker's a poor photographer slash student, <laughs> but he has a skylight in his New York apartment, like, in the ghetto. Anyway, um, so when he's coming through the skylight, the whole disjointedness, like, I can see how maybe the penciler drew that properly but the right. anchor who went over it just destroyed it right yeah, like it and I, and like also and that's the thing it's totally go ahead no it's okay well, i was gonna say it's obviously possible i mean if an anchor has no idea what he's doing he's gonna he's gonna flatten out that image and emphasize the wrong parts of that leg or arm and just make it look completely backward you know but then if you go to page Digital page 13, look at this excellent shot of Spider-Man kind of crouching on the side it's of that building. It's so great. That's excellent. The shadows are right. The anatomy's right. Like, this position, like, everything just works in that shot. Even the panel That's under it with, shot. like, the dramatic lighting on this kid right. is really great, too. Like, there, there is some great stuff in here, as usual, but for some reason, I, I just kept finding a lot of, you know, poses that were broken. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, like Julie, outside of, outside of the anatomy, I would say that there are other things that the the artist um, or the artists were doing. Like, we're, let's stay on like page thirteen, where we use the zip tone to suggest the light or a light um, that the light is giving off from the moon. Like, right, amazing. Hmm. Also, um, what do they? What do they? What do they call it? Um, the next page fourteen, um, when they use facsimile. Uh, where? Oh, uh, do you mean like the building there, in the rendering oh, of the like, building? Uh, I have no idea. Do you mean how it just looks like super realistic, or what do you mean? Like how yeah, it's like lit? That's that, yeah, like mm -hmm. they didn't render that. They used a photocopy of a black and white image. I think that you're right. Yeah, I think there's no name for it. They just, or it there, could be. No, uh, what would Kirby used to call, use? Uh, not montage. Um. Jeez, I can't remember what, what Kirby's technique was. Yeah, when he would just like photocopy a bunch of stuff and just throw it in. I can't remember what that's called. But yeah, this is slightly different where he's trying to hide the fact that it's photocopied. But I don't know. I mean, he might have drawn it. But there's definitely other artists like John Byrne that would just literally Xerox a city and just ink over it. Right. So maybe that's what Ed Hannigan did here. I'm not sure. But yeah. I, I think for this panel, it works. Um, I think I think it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, I, I think I, I like the the minimal detail on it too. Like it's it's detailed enough that you can uh, like understand the like structure of the building and how the light is hitting it, and it works well with just the silhouette of Spider Man at the top. Mm -hmm. uh, you get you get yeah. the idea, and it's um, I, I I think it's a clever way to uh, get stuff done quickly without compromising the the art. So right. I, I like it. Yeah, I just yeah. I find the art is more 
uh, it takes more risks and they use more technique mm-hmm. in this issue. Mm-hmm. So that like I think um, because that excited me so much, I forgave maybe the small or big mm-hmm. <laughs> anatomy, yeah. uh, strangeness in anatomy. So like if you go to page mm-hmm. 15, like digital 15, where it's at that big splash page of Ollie inside the toy store. So great. And if you look, I know, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at the wing of the... Um, the plane <laughs> yeah um like they use like uh instead of using those like typical um brush like crosshatch strokes or even um or even that zip tone they use pointless technique mm, and like not yeah. a lot of not a lot of comic book artists sort of um are that adventurous right i, I right. would say yeah like someone here has a fine art background for sure. Well, yeah, probably Ed Hannigan, I'm going to guess. He's a great art. I think he was the art director of DC at one point. Really? I could be wrong about that, though. Yeah, I think so. Like, I never, again, another artist I never really noticed as a kid, but now that I'm going back and reading these issues, I'm like, oh my God, he's clearly got skill. Like, even if yeah. you just want to jump, yeah, to the very, very last page, uh, Digital 23, that big, giant close up of Deborah Whitman crying, and then the three panel sequence. <laughs> Of the doctor listening and her turning around, I think that's a great. Thing. That you know, that was my one note <laughs> to talk. Make sure we talk about. Oh, okay. What in the world is happening with Deborah Whitman? Like, oh, she's going insane. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> the, like, years of Peter Parker tormenting this poor girl, and we're gonna end with her thinking she's going insane. Like. Yeah, and then right. at the beginning of the issue, Peter Parker says something like, whoa, I, I don't know what's going on with this girl I'm seeing, Deborah. Like, what, since when have you been seeing Deborah? Like, yeah. in every issue, you're uh. brushing her off and, like, pretending she doesn't exist. And now you're going to be like, oh, man, my, right. my old squeeze, Deborah. So, I don't know what's going on with her. And then now she's going crazy mm-hmm. because she knows uh-huh. he's Spider-Man. Like, it's so... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bizarre. And it. what are women good for if not for their hysterics right it makes so. me so mad because she's genuinely an interesting character and and i think that her being like a school friend and like not being necessarily like the like snooty preppy girl like she's she's a scientist just like peter like i don't know right. they, they set up a really good relationship there and then we just had peter be a dick to her the entire you know Deborah arc and it sucks that we're getting right. this like awful resolution with her going crazy like uh-huh. I hate it so much <laughs> I hate it yeah I don't like it either uh, and the thing is is we used to just blame Denny O'Neill but even Roger Stern and now Bill Mantle are guilty of it like I don't know what the hell they're all thinking you know it, it's but yeah they haven't handled this character well it seems like they Spider-Man is for the most part, consistent. Peter Parker and Spider-Man, it seems like the same character overall. Jameson, like all of the villains, mm-hmm. like it feels like there is a script Bible or like a character Bible for every character in these stories, except for Deborah. They just kind of said, oh yeah, she's going to be a love interest. And then they never talk to each other when writing her character because she's different in each uh, each issue. It's not even that it's, yeah, it's, it's from a- each like book or story that's like arc that's going on it's literally Mm. from issue to issue she's different and peter parker treats her differently from issue to issue like they don't understand what this character or who this character is 
and it's frustrating. Yeah, it's not mapped out. And the fact that he says he's dating her, but then all of a sudden he's making out with another girl, possibly having sex with another one, and then she's dating Biff, and now he says he's seeing her. Yeah, it's very confusing. It's so strange. Now, Julie, I... Yeah, Julie, I know you only got like a brief glimpse of that, but what was your impression of that brief scene? What scene? <laughs> I, I don't even know that what you're talking about. The, the last page. Well, because I don't have any context, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's what I'm saying. It's like, why would you mm. include this? Here's the thing that kind of drives me wild about comics is that like... I understand that they're all kind of continuous stories, but they should really take into account the fact that not everyone has access month to month to them. Mm-hmm. So when you don't, um, when you include bits of story that are ongoing from somewhere else, someone like me who may have just like, what if this was the first issue of Spider-Man that I ever picked up ever? Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't know what's happening and I would be extremely turned off by this based on the way that Peter Parker seems to be treating women. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, that, that's my impression of it. Is that if, if I, and I, I go into reading comics as if I were blind, like blind to the plots or the characters or whatever. Um, anything, anytime I've asked to uh, read and review something new. So it's very hard for me to see something like this and go, wait a second, wait, were we not just fighting? Like, like we were all just fighting, and now we're, we've gone on to something else I don't understand. Like, and it says we'll get into it next month, but it's like, but he's been doing this for, he's obviously mm-hmm. been doing this since before, and I don't understand where this is coming from. I, I th- and they're just painting her to be like this tortured woman. Mm-hmm. And this has been so. going on for three years now, if we're thinking about it, <laughs> yeah. like... Uh, actual time wise like I think it was the beginning of when we started reading in in the 80s like Peter Parker would treat Deborah Whitman uh, differently from like each month's story like in in amazing he would be friends with her and like they'd be like going on dates but then he'd have to leave partway through and they they seem like a thing and then the next Mm -hmm. issue we would read of the same month deborah's like oh my uncle he's caught up in you know these these thugs are you know messing with my uncle and i feel like he's in his life is in danger and peter will be like or spider-man will be like not my problem toots i don't have time to deal with that yeah like i don't don't go in the water or whatever yeah Yeah. i don't deal with with going to the docks and like swings away like it's it's so so callous and strange yeah and inconsistent i think is the main thing because we we also see peter parker be sweet and like a a genuine friend and like you know interested in her romantically and then the next issue that we read it's like deb deb who so yeah (laughs) so well to summarize the issue though um yeah so not my definitely one of my least favorite issues of spectacular Mm -hmm. lately i still think it's decent but definitely not my favorite. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, like, is this the main series or the main title? I don't. Well, what do you mean? Is Spectacular Spider-Man the main title for the Spider-Man? No, uh, no, I, no, I, I would say Spider-Man is the flagship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was the first one. 
But okay. so it usually it usually has the best writer and the best artist, and that's why Roger Stern had started out on Peter Parker, but then he moved over to Amazing Spider-Man a, a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I give this this issue one torn up poster of Doctor Octopus out of five. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, so now we are going to move on to our final book for this episode. And uh, listeners, loyal listeners, will take note that this issue has already been covered in an, ish- in an episode of Quasar Quinology because it features Quasar. Mm-hmm. But, Josh, you have not read this issue before this week, correct? I actually have. Why? Oh, you, you did? Yes, because I was... Um... I was interested to to know more about Quasar, and as I was listening to the podcasts about Quasar that I was not on, I was reading the issues. What? Interesting. Yes. So I have read this before. Um, I feel like we're not going to say anything different that wasn't already said in Quasar. So, right. Um, I, I, I think my feelings are about the same. This story is... Uh, yeah, so do you want to quick, quickly explain the story? Oh, sorry, you want me to quickly explain it? Yeah, <laughs> do you want to? Quickly explain it. I don't, there's so much happening, I don't know how I'm going to do it quickly. No Pretty way. much what's happening, there's this weird serpent society that's been, like, messing with Spider-Man and, like, biting him and turning him, like, almost killing him for a while. Doctor Strange has been helping him. Uh, Quasar's been dealing with these guys with this serpent crown and Thing has been hanging out with Quasar and Scarlet Witch has been hanging out with the Thing saving um, saving the, this crown the people from this crown and Doctor Strange has also been tied in through Scarlet Witch and pretty much what happens is in this issue all of these stories kind of come together these crowns are used to manipulate people and all of these heroes try to stop these people once and for all where where this bad guy is trying to stack all of his crowns on top of his head at once so he can have this like yeah. super crown to control everybody and uh, it the heroes win at the end that at the end like i don't uh, it's, it's it's such a wild and crazy story i don't uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. Uh, it's a mess. Let's put, She's yeah. a mess. <laughs> yeah. But there's twice as many pages and twice as many thrills. Which you so. would think would See, maybe this help them out, like flesh out the story, but no. Like This is a case where... So this is written by Mark Grenwald and drawn by... Oh, he also broke down the, the pencils. So it's like rough pencils. Okay. And then Jim Mooney is the finisher. So this is clearly an example of where Mark Grenwald had a story and he was telling it through different comics, like a little bit in Captain America, a little bit in Marvel 2-in-1, and now it's in Marvel Team-Up. Um, but the thing is, is uh, you look at this and you go, okay, why these heroes? Like, why... Why the thing? Why Scarlet Witch? Why not the Vision? And we talked about that when we reviewed it in Quasar Chronology. Um, and so, yeah, it just feels like... And, it, and here's the thing is, this is also now... We're reading this in the context of the other Spider-Man comics. Mm-hmm. This comes completely out of left field. It doesn't connect to anything else that's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way of really knowing this takes place in November 82 or whatever. It doesn't connect at all, right? There's no, no subplots connecting anything. It, it the style's different. Like the like Spidey's personality's not quite right, and so and, like the story doesn't match up either. Like it doesn't really make sense. And you'd think that 
if they put aside five full pages to explain the backstory of everything that's happened before this it would maybe clear things up but in those five pages (laughs) it probably makes it worse like it would have been easier to be like yeah these these snake dudes are really messing with people and taking control of their minds with this crown done that's it that's all we need but we have Mm -hmm. five pages to go through everything and it just like i felt like i was reading a textbook with those five pages Mm -hmm. they dragged on for so long when i went back and counted i'm like whoa those only five pages right because it it was just so long see yeah my my theory is that like mark grenwald at this point he was um in the 1980s he was sort of like the guru of continuity like he kind of oversaw the handbook of the marvel universe and he was kind of like the guardian of marvel continuity so he was definitely obsessed with marvel continuity he was kind of like the way roy thomas was with the golden age dc heroes like he knew everything and so you can tell it's definitely like a passion project and like he he enjoyed what he was doing but and and i've read a lot of mark grenwald stories and unfortunately some of them are good but a lot of them are like this where it's just obsessed with detail and minutiae and history but it's just not really well told it's not really entertaining you know it's like he trips over all of that history and that continuity right and it just doesn't make for a very good read no i so like um (laughs) i'm trying to think of like why this doesn't i i think it's because okay so let's take the avengers movie for example they don't stop and explain to you all the characters backstories and where they've met before they just kind of like give them a reason to to like come together and connect and and team up right like you don't have to stop and say oh Black Widow and Hawkeye, they've been friends for so long and they do a flashback and tell right. you. It's just like, no, the, these characters need to come together and band together. Whether you've seen their story, like individual stories and know their backstory, it doesn't matter. They're reintroduced quickly into the story and, and like brought together for the greater good. And with this one, it's like the villain's plot was more important than anything else was that, that was going on. And like, showing you why these heroes have dealt with this villain before and i i think that the first half really just drags on so much um right right and then of them trying to get to the action yeah yeah, and and then well like and because they didn't they didn't have a good story leading up to the action the action just seems like a mess because we don't really understand why the heroes are there. Like, if, if if you set up the heroes are here for a reason and then it turns into, like, a you know, a big action, like, slugfest, fine, sure. Like, I love some, like, comic book fights, but it seems like they just, like, okay, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. Okay, cool. Fighting time. Let's, let's mm-hmm. do this. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... Well, that's the thing is, you know, it's like funny because earlier Jolie was talking about how could someone get into the comic industry without understanding anatomy? And I think, and I love Mark Grunwald, don't get me wrong, but I think it it goes the same for writing. There's people that get into the industry that don't have a fundamental understanding of like, I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, like storytelling, just the basics. Like there's a way to tell any story and it was not done here. Like this was not riveting. It didn't pull you in. It didn't, you know... Yeah, this is the uh, comic book equivalent of the suicide, the, that Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, right, 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 And it was right, just right. messy. Like, doing a bunch of a bunch of powered human beings or beings 
doing like using their powers um outside of what you would expect them to be doing like uh, and, and why are they all together for one really really thin plot yeah like, reason right like they all they all kind of come together because they can sort of sense snakes uh-huh. <laughs> right yeah. it's like it, it just doesn't make any sense and like uh, along the lines of things that don't make sense or like are really out of place and really strange is like here's the thing if you have a all-powerful wizard why is he renting a car to get to the action he oh. astral proje- <laughs> he astral projects his form outside of the car to bring us a five-page story about <laughs> double crown mm-hmm. and then he comes back and you know he doesn't want to like he doesn't want to like <laughs> astral project both of them to the action like right. i don't understand why you would do that N- nothing makes sense everything just kind of happens in this issue like the the villains are these like supposed to be these ancient snake people right yeah. like, can we agree on that so why is yeah. why is there a giant robotic snake but <laughs> why did these like ancient beings have this giant robot yeah, like it, it just doesn't. Yeah, you know, f- like nothing is fleshed out properly. It's just kind no. I of, mean, uh, I don't know. The thing is, is it, it's like a lot of these guys at this time. I don't want to pick on any of these guys because I love them all, but a lot of them are fans turned pro, and it's like you know, it's it's really harsh, but it, it reads like fan, a lot of it reads like fan fiction, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, like this is my like at least like with you know and you know we're gonna jump to the art in a minute, but like Ed Hannigan clearly has an understanding of art right and roger stern has an understanding of writing but in this issue again it's just like there's no understanding of writing there's really no understanding of art either there's a lot of like if we can jump to the art mm-hmm, yeah there's a lot of really amateur looking shots in this issue like even starting from the opening splash page like to me that <laughs> that that looks terrible like quasar flying it just it's a terrible shot and then when you when you go through, you know, we've been raving about John Romita Jr. and uh, Ed Hannigan, but this is not great storytelling. It, it looks like Quasar's you know? being hoisted up with wires. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. Yeah, and you know what? I feel so bad for Quasar because I feel like he he could be such an interesting character, but he's always just so lame in these stories. <laughs> yeah, he's always yeah, like pushed to the side. He's something's wrong. Something wrong is going for him. Like this one, he's he's uh, brainwashed the entire issue. Like it's yeah, just like, he's a security guard for crying out loud. Like yeah. he well, and then he looks and sorry, he, he he looks. He's dressed like he's royalty, but he's a security guard. Like I just don't. I don't get it. Grumble, well, and grumble. then also, like, look at this. I mean, the thing looks off model. He looks mm-hmm. ugly, you know, when they introduce him. And and then, I oh, mean... Also, it... not to mention the fact that, like, when presented with um, an apparition of um, one of his fellow superheroes, like, in trouble, he's like, nah, that's, that's nothing. We'll get back to the game. Yeah. Anyway. He's got to have his juice well, box I... and potato chips. <laughs> I want to talk about one more panel. Uh, it's on digital page uh, 21. Okay. I just, I do not like this shot, this establishing shot of this building. 
Project Pegasus. Yeah. I, again, I just think it looks so amateur. Like the perspective. I mean, this perspective's not wrong. It's just so uncreative and bland. Mm-hmm. Like the way the car is, and then they pull up, and I don't know. It just looks really amateur. You know, it's like Jolie and I just finished reviewing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it just feels like something, yeah, like you'd see in like an indie comic. Right. You know, just not very good. Mm-hmm. Like if you're uh, going to use that kind of like amateur shot of like one the wrong side of the building, um, obviously there's a like a way more interesting side of this building. Yeah. Um, but you're mm-hmm. not using it. Like just right. use that facsimile style. Oh God. Get yeah, well, you know, it's like here. now that now that you mention it, you, like look at the bottom of this panel. Like one fourth of the panel is wasted on the or road and the car and that giant rock. Why don't they if it, like <laughs> make the the building itself fill up ninety percent of the panel and have the car be a tiny little thing well, in the in the background? And cause the reader would still know while the car's pulling up, right? Like this is just. Yeah, again, just not an understanding of art okay, or composition so, uh, or anything. Here's a just just look at that one panel by itself. What's happening in this panel? You mean the what? establishing yeah. shot with the car? What is, what's happening? Yeah, you're Mercury, right. It's like, like, yeah, like Mercury is obviously in retrograde. Look at how why, big that yeah. moon is. Why is this an important thing to tell? Like w- why do we need to focus so much on the fact that the Spider-Man's car is pulling up to the driveway of this thing? It's <laughs> yeah. half of a page and nothing is happening. Uh, you're right. It's you're right. It's so weird. Like it th- we spend, I we mean, spend there's nothing five sh- pages on the backstory and it's tiny panels to shove everything in. And then Yeah. And then we have half of a page to tell us that Doctor Strange and Spider-Man's car has pulled up to Project Pegasus headquarters. It, yeah. <sighs> the thing is, is there's nothing wrong with showing the building as an establishing oh, shot. I agree. But the the panel itself is just like we said. There's so much space wasted on the rock and the thing and the sign and the the road. It's just again, it just shows. You know, when you're making decisions, what do you leave in? What do you take out? Right. And this issue gets everything backwards it seems mm-hmm. it's like all exposition and explanation and backstory but nothing there's no story there's really no story there is a story yeah. but it's like, confusing as hell are we supposed to be impressed about how much money this place has like how big the facilities are because if that is the goal which i think it is because if you go to digital page 22 they take the time to render in the background the telescope that is there yeah the rock is covering in digital 21 like yeah. okay cool they have like this geodesic dome in the back that maybe is like um a, i don't know something that they use for energy but like they also have this obviously like to have a telescope of that like of that sort of quality and magnet it's expensive so are you trying to tell us that project pegasus is like this huge thing because you're not also again you're not doing a really good job yeah that's you're right that's that's another good point is like what's the intention of the panel what is it supposed to show if it's supposed to show the size again why is the car in the foreground does the car you know is like as it's like one sixth as big as the building so if you want to show the size of that building you show a gigantic building and like i said the car is this tiny Mm -hmm. little thing in the corner that's how you show the size but this doesn't get that that doesn't come across at all right and and, and 
I think the point they were they were trying to make with this panel is to show that it's a huge facility that's completely empty. But we can't see that it's empty because no, the building is in the background no and there's a giant rock in front of everything else. It's so... How are we supposed to yeah. see that this place is empty, right? We, we only know yeah. that that's what is supposed to be, you know, told through Spider-Man's bubble, through his dialogue, right. and, and that's it. And I, I think that this panel is the perfect example to, to you know, show you why this comic does not work they don't show yep. you what is happening they explain everything and because they have to explain yep. it in so many words it doesn't make sense we don't get to visually see it we can't follow along with what's happening in the story because they explain it to you so quickly in so many words that when it's over they start bashing each other and the, then the the, the story's over the, the, the issue's over so right th this panel is is like exactly what, what what's happening we don't really understand through the images and then we're told through these bubbles yep so nothing <laughs> nothing really works no. in this That's issue so basically yeah and and as we said we've reviewed this before on quasar chronology and we didn't really have anything good to say about it and with a second read, it has definitely not improved. No. So this is an example of a Spider-Man comic from this era that I do not recommend. Like, Spider-Man was still finding his footing, and things were still a little bit messy around this time. So, Josh, what do you think? No. Why is Spider-Man even in this story? Right. Too? Like, it's just... No, I, I definitely don't recommend this one. Um, uh -uh. It, it sucks because I feel like at the beginning, the Project Pegasus story had, like, such potential... Right. And then it just ended up being this. Right. So, Jolie, what do yep. you think? Oh, it definitely gets zero double-layered serpent crowns out of five for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. I don't recommend it's... it. I can't recommend it. Cut it up, make buttons out of it. S yeah. Ugh. Stick this Dr. Octopus poster in the shredder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I don't ever... I've already read it twice, and I don't want to read it again. Like... It's definitely not good. I'd rather I'd I'd rather read a, like a an entry in Marvel Universe about this story than have have to read the story again. So definitely not recommended. Uh, and I, you know what? Now now that we're done talking about this, I will say my my little secret is I did not read it again this week. I just skimmed through Actually, it. Actually, neither did I. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, you I bastards! Just, I did. I just skimmed through it again, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah this story. I did not read okay. it. Okay. No. Ugh. You <laughs> assholes. Oh, I read it again and my eyes. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, sorry, um, Jolie. Whatever. We cheated. I'm just here doing the work. So, yeah. anyway. Well, anyway, Jolie, we'd like to thank you for uh, joining us uh, on Here Comes the yeah, Spider Cast, so the world's greatest podcast. Right. Yes, there you go. But yeah, Josh, you can take it from yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we want to keep this conversation going with you guys, so we want to know what you guys think about the episode and the issues that we're talking about. So find us over at uh, the Comic Book Syndicate on Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcast, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us at the Comic Book Syndicate. Uh, and over on Twitter, you can find us at at Comic Syndicate. So uh, wherever is whatever place is easier for you to contact us and keep in touch, we want to hear from you there. 
That's right. So uh, once again, thank you, Jolie, for coming. And based on what you've read, are you going to come back to Here Comes the Spidercast? Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of 50-50 gonna... this week. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to give me anything good to read? <laughs> it's all, hey, it's all automated, right? Whatever comics that put out that month are the ones we have to read. We don't get a choice in the matter. So oh, right. we'll, keep you, uh, we'll keep you posted on what we're doing, though. So there you go, folks. Until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. Ah!